0: good morning thank God he is the same yesterday today and forever aren't you glad about that and I am honored to be able to stand and to share with you last week he started with the uh, series called attitude did a great job talking about the attitude attitude of a a ship or a plane and um, air shift uh, aircraft I meant Uh, so make sure that if you didn't See it, you didn't hear it. If you weren't here, go back to our website and catch up on that cuz it was a great message on our attitudes and how attitudes make a difference. So I'm going to continue on today with attitude and just see that where our attitude matches up with Jesus, that what we what how Jesus reacts, that's how we're to react, right? So it's it's been burning, it's been stirring in my heart for for quite a few days and and let's just pray that it'll, it'll get out just the right way, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we can come, that we can hear, we can worship you, we can hear your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask most of all that you would open the eyes of our hearts today, that the eyes of our understanding would be open to revelation, that we know what is the hope of our calling in the riches in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to these people that are hearing, that are listening, that are here, that are watching online, that your anointing is upon your word, and your anointing destroys every yoke of bondage. Holy Spirit, I believe that you want to do something great in people's lives today, that you want to break some bondages, break some strongholds on their lives today. And I thank you that we say, yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we're listening. We're yielded to you. Speak to my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's look at the definition that Pastor Rich brought last week about attitude and what it means and what we're looking at. Attitude, as he said, was a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically, one that is reflected in a person's behavior. Some of the synonyms of attitude are point of view, vantage point, frame of mind, a way of thinking, a way of looking at things. And then he read Philippians 2, and we'll start with verse 3. This is out of the New Living Translation. You can read it out of Bible, your iPhone, your tablet, whatever you got there. Or you can just look up here on the screen. Two, verse 3 says don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too I love this verse. you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had the New King James says or have the same mind that Jesus had though he was God he did not think equality with God was something to cling to Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and born as a human being. And he appeared in a human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Verse 5 in Philippians 2, the New King James says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this attitude, let this mind be in you. And that's what we're going to look at today as about having the same mind, the same attitude that Jesus had, that we are to reflect his image. We are to reflect the attitude of Jesus. We are to have Jesus's frame of mind, his way of thinking, his outlook. Our attitude should be that of Jesus's attitude. And then last week, Pastor Rich showed us the gauge, our indicator gauge of how we can say, okay, does my attitude, does my, my way of thinking, my frame of mind, my reaction, does it line up with what Jesus said us to be? And we, if you'll look at 1 Corinthians 13, we all know, or most of us know, it's the love chapter, the love verses, you hear it at weddings, you hear it all kinds of things, but this is what we're to be. God has said that in Romans 5, 5, he said the love of God has been poured abroad or shed abroad into everyone's heart. When you were born again, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, God's love was put in you. You have the ability to love like this. It's within you. That new creation, just like Brian was saying, that old life is is gone and dead. And the new life that's been raised is the love of God that's within us. But sometimes, like Brian said, we have to crucify that flesh. We have to, okay, that part should be dead in me. I need to be acting like First Corinthians 4 through 8, 13. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly love God's love in us does not insist on its own right or its own way for it is not self-seeking it is not touchy fretful or resentful it takes no account of an evil done to it have you got there yet (laughs) are you there it's at work it's a constant work we don't ever arrive do we it's a constant work of of working to be more like Jesus it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. That's what our attitude should look like. Does our attitude, does our frame of mind, our way of thinking, our outlook reflect the love gauge? Or is it something different to that? Does it mirror 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? Jesus is our example. Thank God we can look at Jesus. And yes, he was the son of God, but he was human also. And he had to walk throughout this Walk through the earth and respond to people to haters to people who didn't believe in him So let's look at Jesus in Mark you can turn to mark chapter 4 if you're looking in your and this is I want us to look at Jesus's attitude and his reaction Jesus had been uh, he went to the to the mountains side and Multitudes people crowds just began to grow, and it's they almost started to you know They started to press into him. So he hopped in his boat He stood in his boat and he began to to teach from his boat and he taught for hours He talked about the the sower and the seed and the soil and he and he told and the crowd was just hungry They just wanted to hear more Jesus had taught all day and so then we take up here in chapter 4 verse 35 as the evening came Jesus said to his disciples let's cross to the other side of the lake so they took jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind although the other boats followed but soon a fierce storm came up high waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water verse 38 jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion the disciples woke him up shouting teacher don't you care we're going to drown When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked him, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Jesus was unbothered by the storm when he was in the boat. His attitude, his frame of mind, his outlook, his way of thinking was unbothered. You know, when we're in the storm or we're in pain or we're in financial need or we're in a relationship that is chaotic and not peaceful and or someone's being a pain in our side, we need to be unbothered. Unbothered. What does unbothered mean? Think about an unbothered person. You know, things maybe happen around, but they're just chill. They're just relaxing. They're like, okay, yeah. Let's look at the definition of unbothered. Unbothered is showing or feeling a lack of concern about interest in something. An unbothered person is indifferent to criticism or negative thoughts, not annoyed or provoked. An unbothered person is untroubled, calm, unruffled, cool, peaceful, collected, undisturbed, unperturbed, unworried, relaxed, a complete lack of care or bother for anything in life, not feeling or showing agitation or worry or annoyance. I don't know about you, but when someone speaks against me or speaks something, I'm a little bothered. I haven't got there yet, have you? Are you agitated? Are you annoyed? Are you a little perturbed? Or are you just chill? You're relaxed. It's good. Everything's fine. Jesus wants us to get to the point where we're unbothered. I don't know about you, but when, I, when a storm comes in my life, when there's, the waves are crashing in, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little anxious. I'm a little, even a little stressed sometimes. I'm losing sleep. I, I, I am bothered by that situation. Anybody been bothered by a situation or bothered by a person? Maybe bothered by your spouse, bothered by your children? Yeah, we do, we get bothered by it because that's natural, that's a natural emotion. But what I wanna encourage you today is that we look at the, the example of Jesus and we work towards that place where we can become, in the midst of the storm, we can become unbothered. It's not just a mind over matter. We're going to go through it and see how, what Jesus, how he was able to know and to be unbothered. You know, the enemy loves to rob us and to send people, people or situations across our path so that it does bother us, to rob us of our peace, to rob us of our sleep, How many of you have ever had a financial need or maybe concerned about a person in your family and you are robbed of your sleep? You are, it is like, I cannot sleep. I, you know, this thing is really troubling me. You know, and the enemy will bring worry and anxiety, but Jesus was teaching his disciples to become unbothered. Jesus was so unbothered by this storm Can you imagine being in a boat? You know, it wasn't like a a yacht like we have today. It was probably a fishing boat. The the winds, if you've ever been in a storm, I've never been in a storm in a boat and never want to be, but just even if you're sleeping in the safety of your house and you start hearing the thunder and the rain's crashing and the wind's blowing, hearing the effects of the wind, you wake up, right? Jesus has the winds blowing, the waves are crashing in, and he's over there sleeping on his pillow. He's asleep. He's 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 not troubled. The disciples had to go and wake him up. He was so secure in what he knew that he was sleeping. You know, before he got to the boat or before they got to the got to the boat, Jesus had been teaching multitudes and performing miracles. But Jesus said, "Let's go to the other side. Go to the other side." Now Jesus he was not anticipating that they weren't going to make it. He said, we're going to the other side. I'm not, I'm not anticipating to get into the middle of the, of the lake, a storm comes up, and we're all going to drown and we're going to die. No, because Jesus knew that he had a mission. He knew that there was something over for him on the other side that God needed for him to complete, to work, and to do. Whatever happens in the in-between, Jesus was unbothered. Because he had made a declaration. Let's go to the other side. We're going to the other other side of the lake. Doesn't matter what happens in the middle, we're going over there. We're going because he made a declaration. Everything that Jesus speaks, he completes. Everything that Jesus speaks, he completes. Say that with me. Everything that Jesus speaks, he completes. What has God said to you? What has God said to you in his word? You're on this side of the lake, and, God, and you've got a journey. You're going to go to the other side. Like Maybe on the other side of the lake is your healing. Maybe on the other side of the lake is your financial need. Maybe it's salvation for your kids. Maybe it's so that your kids aren't throwing tantrums and and acting out and being rebellious. Or maybe it's a marriage situation where you're having difficulty in it. Maybe it's something, you know, at work where this is your other side of the lake. But you're over here, and Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're going over there. Your healing, your deliverance, your anxiety, you're free from anxiety, you're de- free from depression, is over here. And we're going to the other side. What Jesus speaks, He completes. What Jesus speaks, He completes. But in the middle of the storm, you're seeing something different. You're seeing someone acting ugly. You're seeing someone acting in rebellion. You're seeing a financial situation that doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. There's peace, there's turmoil, there's unrest, there's lack of sleep. There's anxiety. But Jesus said, we're going to the other side. I know when I've been in situations where things are looking different than I've planned and we're in the middle, I'm in that middle of that storm. The Holy Spirit will speak to my heart. He said, Paula, the reason I need you to be unbothered about this situation that's happened right here, because I need you to remember what I've said in this situation. I need you to remember what I've spoken to your heart about. That's not, I'm not intending for your ship to sink. We're going to the other side. Have you ever seen the uh, tapestry or a needlepoint? Anybody been to the Biltmore and seen those massive tapestries? They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. Tapestry, you know, it's, it's the, the needle pointer, or the person who, who's doing the needlepoint or the tapestry. It, you know, it's very intricate work. And if you're looking at what they're working on, I mean, have you ever done needlepoint before? I did a little bit when I was younger. On the back of it, where you're doing, you're doing all your stitching and, every, and all your needlepoint, you see maybe a picture or what it's supposed to look like over here. But on the back of it, there are loose ends. There are frayed ends. There are knots. There are pieces. It's not pretty, especially when you, ha- when you do a, a stitch that's wrong and you have to pull all those things out and it's all frayed. And it doesn't, it doesn't look nice. But when you finish that, and you hold it up it's a beautiful tapestry in our situation god's saying hey it looks unraveled it looks knotted up it looks it's not a pretty sight but i'm seeing it from the other side the holy spirit is doing his tapestry he's doing our work on his on people on our lives on our situation where it may look like it's come unloose it's frayed it's tattered it's not right you might have to sometimes you have to take some of that stitching out but jesus says i see the finished work i'm the master needlepoint just hang with me hang with me paula it's gonna it's gonna be a masterpiece it's gonna be a beautiful work of art and we need to be at the place where even though we see these frayed edges we see these unraveled things that god I trust in you. What you said, you will complete. I believe it's going to be a masterpiece. What has he declared about your situation? What's your attitude during the storm? Are you falling apart and being like the disciples, like, we're going to die. We're going to drown, you know, just over. I mean, she's not here. I mean, she's here. She's working up, up front. Our daughter, Riley, she's Almost 20, but she has a little uh, dramatic side to her. <laughs> she goes a little, she's a little extra sometimes. Well, she worked out the other day at um, her spin bar, and she, yeah, you know, I think she overexerted her. So, you know, how you go? You haven't worked out for a while. You just go for it, you know? And so her arm, so today, her, she couldn't move her arm. She's like, look, Mom, my arm's broken. She's holding it up. You know, one's, one's been out here. She's like, I can't, Mom. I think it's broken. It's going to be like this forever. I'm like, Riley, you are so true dramatic. <laughs> So I went over there and my, because I'd been hearing this for about a day and a half now, you know, about how. So I said, put heat, put cold, you know, you do all these different things, tell her what to do. So finally, I just went over there and laid my hand on. In Jesus' name, (laughs) like you, you need to be speaking the word to that, to that muscle or whatever you do. But I think that's sometimes what we do in the middle of our storm. It's like god we're gonna drown we're all it's all going to pot and we don't know what's going to happen jesus needs us to take the attitude of i am unbothered i am i am not my feathers are not going to be ruffled in jesus name i am believing that what jesus spoke that is finished there's the finished work on the end if jesus said it we need to learn how to activate our trust level if Jesus is unbothered by it then i 'm unbothered unbi- by it. You know that storm it came up without warning, and sometimes I think when th- things in our life they come out up without warning and it 's beyond our control, it often reveals something about us. It reveals that we 're control freaks. we want to control it. We want to fix the situation. we want to get in there and help God out. We want to curate things so that these people in our lives will do what they're supposed to be doing. And we kind of try to manipulate the situation to help God out. We're control freaks and we, we want to hang on to that. We want to hang on to it because God, I know how this situation's supposed to end, so I'm gonna help you out. We want to control it, don't we? God's telling us, he said, let go of that situation. I am in control. Get your hands off and let me work. Get your hands off of that situation. Now, if you got parents of young children, that you know, you obviously have to have discipline and you have to have boundaries and you know, but there are some situations, even though you've set the boundaries and you've defined the marks, you still have to go, God, I've done everything in my power. I've done everything I know what to do, and I'm gonna continue with this, but God I don't know what else to do. You're going to have, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to work in this child's life. And I'm telling you, God will handle it. If we really believe that God is in control, we would be unbothered. We'd be untroubled. We'd be calm, peaceful, collected, undisturbed, unperturbed, unworried, and relaxed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you glad that he always comes through? Turn to your neighbor and say, he always comes through. When that storm comes, Jesus wants us to relinquish our control. He wants us to say, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you in this situation. I remember it's probably been uh, four or five years ago. There was a storm in my life. It was, you know, continuing, had been going on for a while. You know, there's some situations that they, it just doesn't happen in a few weeks, does it? You've got to stand. It may take a couple months. It may take a couple years. It might take a long time. That storm may be long, but you know what? We've got to trust him that he's working in that person's life. So, probably four or five years ago there was a situation that i was praying about believing god for and you know it was it was just like troubling me i was troubled even though i was praying and you know knew god trust god for this uh, answer to be done and riley and i had uh we went actually with nikki do and JC, we had went to a carrie job concert concert in wilmington And um, she was singing, it was beautiful, and we were just worshiping the Lord. And she, one of her songs, and then she switched into an old hymn. And this hymn, I'm going to cry, okay? And I'm not going to apologize for her because, because I'm a sensitive person and that's just who I am. you know. And because if you're not a sensitive person, you don't cry, that doesn't mean one thing or the other. But I'm just saying it's very near and dear to my heart. Because I had learned this hymn, as a, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." I learned this as a child growing up with it. it's a beautiful hymn. And I had sang it to my children every, most every night as I prayed with them. She began to sing that song, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus," just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, "'Thus saith the Lord.'" Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er, just to rest upon his promise. Oh, for grace to trust him more. She began to sing that and it was so near and dear to my heart and to the situation, I began to sob. And the Holy Spirit said, Paula, you're not trusting me. You're praying about it? You think you've given it over? To me, you think you have, but you're not trusting me. You're not trusting me because you're trying to fix this situation. You're trying to fix this storm by maybe my comments or, you know, doing this or saying that or trying to curate the situation so that I can have the end result that I know that he's promised me, but I'm going to help him out. And I said, Jesus. Forgive me, forgive me, Jesus, I trust you. I have to rest on your promise. Oh, for grace, God, give me the grace to get to that other side. Give me the grace, God. And I'm telling you, it hasn't been, it hasn't been an easy road. There's been days where I'm looking at the storm and the winds and the waves, they're greater. And I just cried, Jesus, jesus thank you for your grace i know what you said and i know i'm going to get there to that side that might be with your healing you may be standing god and faith for healing and it's a long rough patch you may be there in pain or the doctor's telling you something different but you just need to say jesus i trust you more give me the grace to get to this other side jesus Whatever that financial need is, God, I give it to you. I trust you. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you to rest on his promise. What does it mean to rest on his promise? That's what Jesus was doing over here in the back of the boat. He was he was in the back of the boat on his pillow. You know what we need to do when we're in that storm and the waves? We need to say, hey, Jesus, hang on, Jesus. Scoot over there, Jesus. I'm going to rest here with you. I'm just going to rest here with you, Jesus. I'm going to rest on your promises because I know what you said. I know what you said. You said whatever you're standing on, and you better be standing on the promises. You better have God's word hidden in your heart. What does that mean? That means you find the scriptures that promise whatever you're believing. You find those scriptures, you speak those scriptures, you read those scriptures over and over and over and over again. You don't let go of those that word of God. You don't let go of that promise. I'm still in this boat with Jesus. Man, wow, I've seen so much progress since four or five years ago when he spoke to me in that concert. But there's still, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to bucket out outside. Some- of this water boat, you know, but hey, God, I'm in this boat, and it's it's a lot better than it was four or five years ago. I'm not completely there, God, but I'm getting there because I know what you said. I'm resting on your promises. I'm standing on your promises. I am unbothered by this storm. That storm's still there, but I'm unbothered. How can you be unbothered? Because I know what he promised me. It doesn't change the circumstance. It doesn't change what's happening, but in my heart, I know I can rest. I can sleep there with Jesus. I can be at rest in his promises. Jesus, he knew that we were going to the other side. He was unbothered. No matter what happens, we're going to the other side. He knew that that storm wasn't going to be the way that took him out. He knew his mission. He knew his calling. He knew that he wasn't going to die in the boat because what was his calling? His calling was to die on the cross. He knew that on the other side, there was more things for him to complete. That his father's will had not been completed here on Earth. He knew that his mission and his calling was to be the sacrificial lamb to die on the cross. He wasn't going to be taken out by being shipwrecked or drowned. And Jesus, he's telling his disciples, guys, when storms arrive in your life, you need to sleep like a baby. You need to fight for that sleep. I need you to trust me and sleep like a baby. It's going to take some work, guys. I don't know about you, but when you're in the storm, especially financial or whatever it might be, maybe it's healing, you got to fight for that. And hold on to scriptures like this, Proverbs 3.24. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. The uh, English Standard Version says your sleep will be sweet. Every time you wake up with fear gripping your heart or pain in your body or the enemies trying to ruffle your feathers or trying to lose sleep about this, you say, my sleep will be sweet. When I lay my head down, I'll sleep. You might have to say that all night long until you do it, but you hold on to God's promise. Another one is Psalms 48 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone will keep me safe. Our sleep is meant for rest and restoration. It's to rejuvenate our minds and our bodies. It's not healthy to lose sleep, is it? We need to fight to find good sleep. Maybe you need to turn off the television. Maybe you need to turn off your iPad, your iPhone, and just get some more sleep. You know, the dishes are going to be there in the morning. There, sometimes we just have to leave some stuff and get some sleep. Because if our body and our mind are not getting that rest that they need, the anxiety is going to come. It's going to increase. You need healthy sleep. The enemy wants to rob us of our sleep. Why does God talk about it? He talks about it. He wants you to have healthy sleep. So that he wants us to lose sleep because then we're dull. We're weary. We're desensitized. And you're not effective for the kingdom of God when there's lack of sleep. Your sleep is stolen by worry, by anxiety, trying to work things out. You're trying to be that control freak. Trying to Hang on to it. But God wants us to be unbothered at perfect peace. You know, the disciples said, don't you care that we're drowning? Why are you asleep? Why are you sleeping? I think sometimes some of us in the middle of that storm, they're like, God, where are you? I thought you cared about me. I thought you cared about you. Don't you care that I'm drowning in my sorrow? I'm drowning in my anxiety. I'm drowning in my debt. God, why aren't you doing anything? I thought you were supposed to be faithful. God, I thought you were supposed to be working in this person's life. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and he'll say, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. I love this person more than you ever could. I died for them. I've ordained them to be here for such a time. You need to be unbothered. And let Jesus handle it instead of losing sleep about that situation we need to get up out of that boat get up and declare what God has done what he has said we need to get in the posture that God you are in control I let go of it I release it to you I release them to you God get up declare it and declare what God has spoken to you about that situation Rebuke those winds, take the power of the enemy off of that person, off of that situation, whatever it may, and be unbothered. Unbothered. Man, that, has, that word has set me free um, since I've been thinking about it for the last couple of weeks. So there's been situations in, you know, that come up that are not what I'm believing God for. And if I see that situation, I'm like, I'm unbothered by you. I'm unbothered by you. You don't bother me. Now, that's an act of faith sometimes. But I think we need to look at that. When I see that situation where I hear that person react that way, inside I'm like, I'm unbothered. I'm unbothered because I know what God said. I know the finished, I know the finished product. It's over there, but I'm unbothered. That's how our attitude needs to be. That's how our way of thinking needs to be about the people about the situations that are in your life that you're unbothered why because you know what that mission is you know what that completed act looks like and you have god's word within you to stand on his promises to rest in his promises and to be unbothered now i'm telling you the holiday season's coming up and you're going to have a lot of opportunity to be unbothered you get together with family right friends you know, and it's like, whoo, and I, I think, I think, no, don't do this on the outside. It might even be your spouse, but, you know, inside you were like, mm, I'm unbothered by you. I'm unbothered by you. You go back to 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 8. Love doesn't take account. Love is patient. Love is kind when that person speaks to you that way. I'm unbothered by that. Thank God we can be unbothered. We can be like Jesus, right? He got all right. So I want us to remember to get up, to stand up in the boat, and to speak to the storm. You know, the the disciples witnessed the miracles that Jesus had done on the boat on this side. What he had done, what he how he had prayed for people, and he wanted the disciples to get up in that boat. He's like, haven't you got any faith? I need you to stand up and to speak to that storm. I want us to remind us of Philippians 2, 5. We read that just earlier as we close. That we must have the same mind, the same attitude that Christ had. We must have the same attitude, the same mind. He wants us to have that unbothered attitude. Remember the definition of unbothered was untroubled, calm, cool, unruffled, peaceful, collected undisturbed unperturbed unworried and relaxed a complete lack of care or bother for anything why because i know my destination i know my answer to prayer i know what jesus said i know what he said because god is in control and i put my complete trust in him everything that jesus said He completes. Stand with me. Everything that Jesus said, He completes. What has God said to you? What has God spoken to you in your heart? Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's a financial need that's staring you and that's waking you up in the middle of the night. Maybe it's anxiety or depression that seems to smother you. What has Jesus spoken to you? What has he said to you? Everything that Jesus speaks, he completes.